0: Welcome to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney, and I'm coming to you solo for this episode 30 because we're reviewing Yashahime, Princess Half Demon, and Carl didn't watch this anime. As always, there'll be spoilers throughout this episode, so you've been warned. I am so excited to talk about Yashahime. Mostly because I love Inuyasha, so I feel like this is my excitement is very much fueled by the the nostalgia that comes with you know the continuation of the Inuyasha story. Um, hopefully, I don't say anything too weird or kind of left field in this episode. I am running on a little less sleep than normal because uh, Carl and I were hanging out with two of our good friends, Edwin and Rob. Shout out to you guys. Um yesterday and we decided to binge watch High Rise Invasion which is only 12 episodes but when you're binge watching something that time flies by and it it ends up being longer than what it really feels like. So basically I'm running on a little less sleep than normal. It was a good time though. I regret nothing because I love to binge watch anime. But yeah, this will be a this will be an interesting an interesting review. But yeah, like I said, Inuyasha holds a special place in my heart. Um, I'm part of the, uh, the generation of OG weebs, or I guess back then we were more so known as otaku, and I, like many of us, watched Inuyasha when it was on Adult Swim, and it was honestly my gateway anime. I had watched things like Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! and Cardcaptor Sakura and Sailor Moon and all that fun stuff, but it wasn't until I watched Inuyasha that I realized There was a whole other genre of animation out there that was called anime. And because of that, Inuyasha is my quote-unquote number four honorary mention favorite anime of all time. We got the announcement about Yashahime pretty suddenly, if I remember correctly. I just saw stuff like blow up on Reddit and Twitter about a a follow-up story to Inuyasha that follows their daughter, and like everyone else, I was like, what the fuck is this? I'm interested. Please tell me more. And it came out pretty quick after that announcement. I don't know how exactly how long. But what's interesting is that there's no manga here. There's no source material. Everyone has gone into this show totally blind, not knowing what to expect. But I think the biggest, most burning question that everyone had after this announcement came out, and they found out that not only does it follow Inuyasha's daughter, it also follows Sashomaru's twin daughters. The question was, who did Sashomaru bang? I We had to wait pretty much half the season before we got that answer, but that was the big question. Again, who did Sashomaru bang? Immediately with watching the first episode, it was fucking nostalgia. Let's be honest, I, like many other fans... I'm only watching Yasha Hime for the nostalgia of everything Inuyasha and to know what happens to the original characters after the first show ended. I'm here just to follow their stories, less so to follow their daughter's stories. It's not to say that I'm not interested in it, but I won't lie to you. I'm just here to find out what happened to Inuyasha and Kagome and Sango and Moroku and Sashomaru and Rin. That's what I want to know about. The background music was one of the first things that hit me when I watched the very first episode. Um, it's just, it's the same. I mean, not the entire soundtrack, but a lot of it is repurposed for the show and not in a bad way. I think it really kind of helps harken back to the original show, tie everything together, and it brings back that flood of memories that you have from watching Inuyasha. It was also weird watching this show subbed Because I, again, I watched it when it was out on Adult Swim and that was all dubbed and it was a really, really good dub. But watching it for the first time subbed, I realized that um, the dub did a really good job of matching the sub or the Japanese voice actors in terms of how the characters sound and the types of voices they cast for each of them. I do plan to go back and rewatch, probably only the scenes with the original characters, but watch it dubbed for that nostalgia. I did watch a bit of it in the first episode just to get a taste of what the voice actors sounded like, and holy shit, the original cast sounds just as good as ever. And the fact that they brought back almost the entire original cast is absolutely amazing, and I think you know, props to all those voice actors for, for coming back and wanting to be part of the story and reprise their roles. They're very special roles. I think in the past with Inu Yasha, we had Monica Story voice acting Kagome, and then she did not come back for whatever reason. I don't know the the story there, um, but did not come back to reprise her role in the final act. And then they recast her as, uh, with Kira Tozer. And I think they brought back Kira Tozer again for the Yasha Hime dub. The news of Kirby Morrow passing away was devastating for us in the Inuyasha fandom. He did a fantastic job as Maroku in the show, and I believe he was able to come back as Maroku in Yashahime for a number of the episodes, but not all of them, because I think I saw um, that they ended up recasting Maroku's voice actor with someone who is a good friend of Kirby Morrow. And overall, I think it's going to be very different, very sad, um but i'm glad he was able to at least do a couple of of the episodes and you know before he unfortunately passed the op and the ed there were two of them um, for this season and i thought overall they were pretty good fits for the show i would say the first op definitely had those Yasha vibes it felt more like um i think it was the first opening for Inuyasha, Changed the World, it reminded me of that. I can't, it gave me the same vibes as Changed the World. Um, I would say the ending didn't have as many Inuyasha vibes as I would have expected. Don't get me wrong, it's a fantastic song and I have it on my Spotify playlist. I would say it was pretty close to like my will, but overall again, like I... I loved both of them, I thought they were really good. Nothing will ever compare to the best endings, which again were My Will and Shinjitsu no Uta. That was probably the best one of all of them. I would say the second set of OP and ED were probably better in my mind, more so in terms of animation than like evoking that feeling of Ino Yasha. Again, both songs were fantastic, I loved them, but the visuals here are what really kind of stole the show. I I feel like the animation for the first OP and ED were kind of lackluster, especially the OP. I, there were parts of that OP I was like, man, this does not look good. It does not look good, like just straight up. But then the OP and ED for the second half looked flawless. And I'm like, this is the level of animation quality that I expect from the show overall. And while we didn't really get that, and I'll get into that um, a little bit later... At least we got a gorgeously animated OP and a gorgeously animated ED in the second half. All right, so let's jump into kind of the the big topics about my Yashahime review. The first thing is characters. Um, right off the bat, we have Toa and Setsuna, Sashomaru and Rin's twins. Um, and I would say... Their dynamic makes sense. They're very different characters, although I kind of wonder if they weren't separated back then, if one of them would have a very different personality. Like, would Setsuna be more of a happy-go-lucky type of person? um, Or would Toa be more kind of hardened and like straight-edged because of the world that she lives in? These are some of the the things that I think about sometimes. But with Toa's outfit, I do want to mention that our friend Kip from the Common Ride With Me podcast, um, we were recording our guest appearance, guest episode with him, um, he mentioned that her outfit looks like the Colonel from KFC. And from that moment forward, I could not unsee it. So um, I can't unsee it, and now all of you probably can't unsee it. There were some really cool um, little nods to Seshomaru, you know, with with the twins. Um, their eyes, I believe, match Seshomaru's face markings in terms of the colors. Um, and, of course, you know, Setsuna pretty much embodies his personality, whereas Toa more so embodies his looks, minus his eyes. Um, I would say Setsuna has his eyes. Whereas Toa has more of Rin's eyes. But again, she's the one with the white hair. And, and as we saw in the last episode when she transforms into a full demon, basically becomes a girl Sashomaru. There's a good amount of character development with these girls. Um, I think overall they they have a really nice story. Um, and I, I like to I liked being able to watch their sibling relationship grow and develop throughout this season. Um, so I won't dive too much into that, but I do want to call out Toa's budding romance with Riku. To me, it really wasn't convincing, and it it kind of felt off. Like it it felt like it didn't really have a place here. And I don't know if they're trying to to add that that small romance to kind of play at the fact that the full demons are not supportive of, you know, demons having kids with humans. But to me, it just feels artificial. They don't seem like a good match. They have a little bit of chemistry, kind of mostly just trusting each other for some reason. And Toa keeps kind of telling us that she has or she's starting to have feelings for him rather than showing us. And as I always say, it's kind of a problem in storytelling if you need to tell the audience something versus show them and convince them. And really, the romance kind of came out of nowhere in like the latter half of the second half of the season. And it seems like Riku has had an interest in Toa for a while, but I always thought that interest was more so around using her for his big plan, taking advantage of her, her I don't know, her connections or her silver pearl or the fact that she used Sushomaru's daughter, something to that effect. But then like her feelings just kind of developed up nowhere in those last couple of episodes. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. Like, I guess it could be a good match, but something about it just doesn't feel organic enough. Then we have Moroha, which I think might be my favorite of all the new characters in this the saga, I don't know what you'd call it, but in the Inuyasha world. Her personality is just like Inuyasha, but infused with Koga and the wolf demon tribe's brashness. And I really love how Kagome sent Moroha to the wolf demon tribe to be raised by the guy she cucked, instead of sending her to their closest and most trusted friends, Moroku and Sango. But to be honest, I was pretty excited that she was raised by Koga. It it kind of um again it explains her her demeanor um and really koga is such a good guy and i fucking love him and i'm so glad that we got to see him even though it was just for a moment he was one of my um one of the characters i unexpectedly loved in Inuyasha and i'm just i'm glad that he's still there even if it was just like a quick little snippet of him where he didn't even say anything or do anything i'm just glad he was there When looking at this main trio of Toa, Setsuna, and Moroha, I I just immediately loved their dynamic. Moroha and Setsuna are, again, just like their fathers. Toa is like a a better blend of like her father and her mother. And I, I just wanted to continue to see more and more of their interactions. Like, even though, again, I went into this show fully honing in on all things Inuyasha, it was seeing their dynamic that really kind of made me appreciate the Yasha Hime story for what it is separate from that original Inuyasha story. I did find it really odd that they didn't meet, quote unquote, or realize that they were cousins until they were 14 years old. I think they're around 14 in the show. Um, Despite having lived in the same area and having been connected to the same people for, for their whole lives, basically, they only now are kind of meeting each other. Next I'm gonna talk about Rin and Sashomaru Um I have a lot to say, although there are some things that I probably won't dive into. I know there was I'll just kind of put out there right away, there was a lot of drama around the idea of Sashomaru being with Rin romantically and whatever your take is on it, you know, I'm just gonna kind of focus on what we've actually been been given in this show. Um and then you can you can take that and run with it. You can interpret it however you you see fit. Ladies and gentlemen, we do have that confirmation that Sashomaru did in fact bang Rin and they had twin daughters together. One of the things that bugs me about Rin in the show is that she's technically grown up but she still looks super young i don't know like the way they designed her character and i know that they're taking like a child version of rin from inuyasha and then trying to like age her up a little bit but she just wasn't aged up nearly as much as some of the other characters like she she looks like she's still 13 14 even though she's in the tree like like quote unquote present day for the show she should technically be around like 30 years old right But yeah, she just looks really fucking young still. And I'm like, man, you couldn't have tried to age her up maybe just like a little bit more so that I'm convinced that time has passed. But maybe it's just because I haven't seen enough of her in these quote-unquote present day moments in the show because she's stuck in a tree asleep the whole time. But we'll see when she finally wakes up. In terms of their romance, I am still not sure how I feel about their romance. I think it's sweet that he actually kind of overcame this this idea of, you know, humans and demons being together as, like, the worst thing ever and did marry a human, you know, woman and, and saw kind of at least sees one human for, for who they are and, and what they can be. Um, but I wish we could have seen more backstory on them after Inuyasha ended. It might make me feel more convinced with them being canon Um, It would have been so funny to see everyone's reactions when they found out that Sashomaru married her, but at the moment we don't really have any backstory on them other than the one episode where they showed Rin, not that they showed Rin giving birth, but the episode where she gave birth and they showed um, Sashomaru taking the girls away. The show does kind of make Sashomaru seem like the antagonist to a certain degree. Like, I know Kirin Maru is the big baddie in this show, but they're kind of painting Sashomaru in this antagonist light. And I'm betting that his hand is being forced. Like, I'm not convinced that he's... A true antagonist in this story. Kaede said in the beginning of the show that some demons throw their kids away to kind of see if they can survive on their own and kind of be worthy of their, their family name or some shit. I think it was called like the the trial of courage and cowardice or something like that. But I feel like Sashomaru's actions, while questionable, I don't think they're really bad necessarily. Like, in the, one of the flashbacks in the middle of the, um, one of the flashback episodes in the middle of the season, we get more backstory on what happened, you know, between the time that the girls were born and um, when Inuyasha and Kagome disappeared. And essentially, Sesshomaru was protecting his family. He was kind of going along with this whole exterminating the half and quarter demon shit to keep an eye on Kirimaru's group. He put Inuyasha and Kagome in the Pearl, and you know probably to protect them and then he immediately took his daughters and hid them and left them in the care of his most trusted ally and he probably put Rin in the sacred tree to hide her too and protect her we do find out later that she's tied her life is tied to zero so he's trying to keep her alive so again I think that he is trying to play Kirimaru and and kind of keep him at bay with what what's going on but you know they're trying to allude to the fact that oh maybe he is the bad guy maybe he's kind of gone rogue and is doing the wrong thing in this show and I, i'm just not convinced i don't think that that's the situation and in terms of sashomaru as a father um this is like a, a very i don't know I, i'm like on the fence about this like I, I wouldn't call him a good father by any means um i don't know if he's technically like the worst father ever but he's kind of like a like a not so great father at times Um, he did kind of, you know, show up at one point, actually show up at a couple points, um, and see his daughters, but never fucking spoke a word to them. He did like a drive by and, and fucking left. He took one look at his daughters and pulled the deal and said, like, I've seen enough. I'm satisfied. But we did get that moment at the very end of the season where he finally fucking spoke to Toa. But then he dipped right after, like, okay, dude, talk to your daughters, man. Like, they're right there. Just talk to them. It's not that hard. I know it's not really in his nature to acknowledge people, but like, at least acknowledge your daughters. So it's things like that that kind of give me some pause on whether or not he's a good father. But then he goes and does other shit, like saving his daughters and kind of showing us that there's there's a bigger reason for everything that he's doing that kind of pulled him away from um from the two of them. I do look forward to seeing more of it, though. I I think. What I'd really love is is more interaction between Seshomru and the twins uh, because it's just so it's so unlike everything that we know about Seshomru to you know marry a human, let alone bear half human children. And I just I want to see some sort of affection from the guy. Like it'll be totally left field. It will not be the, the Seshomru that we know, but I want to see it. Like I feel like they're setting us up for that. Like whether it's you know showing some care and compassion towards Rin or showing that same care and compassion to his daughters, I just want to see a moment of it, just a little glimpse. And we kind of got that for a second when, um, in the final episode, Sashomaru makes the decision to strike down Zero. He says, you know, like, I think something along the lines of Rin is, you know, very sorrowful right now, and he doesn't like it. He doesn't want her to continue to feel sad. But when you think about it in the larger context, that means he was willing to kill his wife (laughs) just so that she wasn't sad anymore. I'm like, well, I'm sure she'd rather be alive and sad than dead and with nothing. (laughs) The big baddies for this show are Kirin Maru and Zero and maybe Riku. I don't know. The guy is totally ambiguous. Kirin Maru is, um, I don't know, like he he's obviously very strong, but I don't think we've seen kind of the, the full extent of his powers at this point. Um, I do want to know why he is so keen on killing the, the main trio, the main girls, because I, I don't know, they're just saying that he doesn't like when humans and demons get together. But I don't know, is is, is there something more to that? Or is it just him being annoyed with the whole idea? It just hasn't been flushed out enough in the show for me to really feel convinced by his motives. He does say at one point that, uh, I think in his first encounter with the girls, um, perhaps you're not the half demons fated to take my life. And one of the theories that I had when I was thinking about this this line more is that perhaps the half-demon that he's talking about is actually Inuyasha, and then he and Sashomaru will be fated to rule the East and the West as the great dog demon sons or whatever. Um, honestly, it's probably the twins that he's talking about, or at least Toa, because this has to be... Um, part of their character development and their growth is to, to reach that point where they can defeat Kirin But how funny would it be if it was actually Inuyasha that that was prophesied to to take Kirin Maru's life? Like, yeah, I, I wouldn't be mad about it. I think it'd be weird for, you know, from a storytelling perspective to have, you know, their uncle come in and take the spotlight. But like, personally, I wouldn't be mad. I would love to see that. Inuyasha would have such a badass duel with Kirin Maru. We don't know much about zero until the the very end of the season she's kirin maru's older sister and she cried some pearls or some shit and that changed her because i think it got rid of her the soft parts of her personality and riku's you know ambiguous but we find out later that his whole goal is to bring zero back to the person that she was before and then we found out that she also had feelings most likely for inuyasha's dad and i'm like man Inuyasha's dad is a fucking player like first he goes and you know gets with Sashomaru's mom and then he leaves her ass for the um human which is I'm sure a huge blow to Sashomaru's mom's ego um but uh yeah he's he gets with Inuyasha's mom and then I guess he was flirting a little bit with Zero too or you know she at least has major feelings for him and is devastated by his death and I don't know man the guy just gets around he really does or did anyway because he's dead now I really loved seeing more of Moroku and Sango and their family and seeing how their kids have grown up and what they've become. You have Hisui, who's now one of the demon slayers. We have Gyokuto, who I think is kind of just staying at home and taking care of her parents. And then we have Kinu, who has become a monk and has a personality very much like her father. Um, We don't know quite yet if she's as lecherous as her father, but she definitely has that bubbly, interesting personality that he has. We also get more of Kohaku, which is fantastic. And I loved how in the beginning of the show, um, Kohaku called Moroku brother. And I was like, yes. I was so scared that they were going to have a distant relationship after everything that happened in Inuyasha. But I was like, oh my God, they acknowledge each other as brothers. It's fantastic. You know, they're they're really family at this point. One of the things that I was disappointed with when it came to Sango and Moroku was Sango's very little amount of screen time. Like, she got just as much screen time as fucking Todosai, who showed up in, like, the last half of the season and had, like, less screen time than Miyoga. But man, like, there was nothing around Sango. She said a couple of lines to Gyokuto and then just, like, fucking disappeared and that was it. I am dying to see more of Moroku and Sango. We did get that fantastic line from Moroku when he first meets Zero. Um, She says something like, I'm a very devilish woman. And then he replies to her with, you know, I I know what'll happen if Sango hears me call you that or (laughs) something to that effect. But it was just so... Classic Inuyasha, classic Moroku and Sango and their relationship. But it was a huge tease for what kind of we we could have seen if they had given Sango more screen time, specifically alongside Moroku. I just, it's so weird. It was such a weird choice to not have her be more of a prominent character in this first season, um, let alone not have any interaction with her husband. And the original character, original from Inuyasha, that I was most surprised by was Sota he has a wife and a daughter now and honestly sota with the glow up i mean like okay daddy sota i was very surprised like he he's he's making moves like he he's living his best life and he's just such a pleasant character like i loved him as you know kagome's younger brother in inuyasha and seeing him grow up and kind of take the mantle and keep things afloat at home was just fantastic I was really worried that we had seen all we were going to see of the modern era and that they were really going to focus on the feudal era, but I think the last episode or the second to last episode of the season, we got that flash forward to the modern era where we see Sota and his family meet with, who I assume to be the present day Kirin Maru. I don't know what's going on with that teacher, but I I hope that we get more of that. I really hope that Toa, Setsuna, Moroha, and hopefully others um, are able to jump back to the modern era and see Sota and just interact with them more. That was one of my favorite things in Inuyasha was any anytime Kagome and Inuyasha spent time in her era and just seeing Inuyasha trying to figure out what the fuck was going on and just, you know, act a fool the whole time. I adored that. That's that's like, that gave me life in Ino Yasha because I'm like, what the hell is going on? I can understand why Kagome is freaking out in those situations. Um, and it was just, I don't know, it was so entertaining to watch. It was always such a, a, a great moment of comedic relief in that show. So I hope we get more of that with Sota and, uh, and Yasha Hime. Now on to the animation. I don't have a ton to say about it, but overall I'm honestly disappointed by the animation in this show. Um, It was probably one of the things that I consistently did not like. The animation style that they went with um, certainly looks different from Inuyasha's original style. Um, It actually looks closer to how they animated the Inuyasha movies, um, but the overall quality was just disappointing. It was lackluster, Um, even for the premiere or for the the first opening and ending, I'm like, this just doesn't look good to me. There are a couple of shots where, you know, the, the characters are drawn really nicely or the animation style is very clean. But I would say the peak of the animation quality for this show was, again, in the second opening and ending. I mean, that was... That, those looked phenomenal, and I'm like, where is this? Where is this level of animation quality in this show? I just think it's it was almost distracting at times how, um, and I don't want to say how poorly drawn the characters were, but just how unrefined they looked um, in in certain moments. There was the really nice, um, fluid animation that we got in the final fight with Kirin Madu in that season finale. But it was just for that fight, and it was only for a couple of moments after, um, I think after Toa had transformed into her demon form. But I just, I don't know, man. I, I, something about the animation just felt like it didn't reach the potential that it could have been. To me, that that was a, a kind of a warning sign right off the bat with kind of what to expect with this show. But I don't want to bash on it completely. There were some moments where things were drawn very beautifully. They they made Kikyo or the the tree version of Kikyo look fucking amazing. She was drawn beautifully. Sango was drawn absolutely beautifully. Um, so Shomaru, of course, looked almost perfect every time he was on screen because he's got a he's got a strong fandom behind him. I'm sure they took extra time to make him look extra beautiful. But yeah, there were some moments where the animation was just so bad that it was distracting. In terms of the story and and the writing and and the plot and whatnot, the first episode of this show was everything that I wanted, but it felt short-lived when they transitioned to following the the girl's story. I'm not saying I'm not interested in their story. Like I mentioned before, I I know why I'm here. I know why I'm watching this show. Um, But I can still get invested into the Twins and Moroha. But it simply didn't have that same Inuyasha feel. Again, like I just said, there can't be this one-to-one comparison of Inuyasha with Yashahime. They can't be identical shows because technically it is a different show, but it just didn't evoke or doesn't evoke the same feelings or hype that Inuyasha did, we all assumed, as I mentioned earlier, that the show would focus on Moroha and be a continuation of Inuyasha's story, but it was actually about Sashomaru's story. And I think that that is such a smart idea because, again, there is a strong fandom behind him, and it's somewhat of a fresh take on the overall Inuyasha story or saga or whatever you want to call it the universe the inuyasha universe um so i i really like that at first i was kind of taken back like wait Moroha's is not going to be the focus here inuyasha's daughter is not going to be the focus but like it didn't take me much time to feel convinced and feel comfortable with sashomaru being the the focal point here him and his lineage what's really sad though when you think about it is that so Shomaru and Rin and then Inuyasha and Kagome were robbed of 14 years of precious time with their daughters. Overall, it's great to see more of the original characters, but it is kind of sad as, again, a veteran fan of the show that their stories ended on such a great note with the end of Inuyasha, but this new story, Inuyasha Hime, pretty much undoes all of that and basically ruins their happiness. But at the same time, it makes me look forward to the end of Yashahime in the hopes that they get their happy ending back and hopefully can recoup some of the time that they lost with their daughters. I don't know about anyone else, but sometimes I felt like the writing was kind of lazy in this show. Um, Like for example, the rainbow pearls are just kind of the new shikon jewel for Yashahime. And then I think at some point they mentioned that like the Pearls created the Shikon Jewel or the Shikon Jewel created the Pearls through Zero or something. But there were moments where I was like mm, the writing can be kind of lazy at times. Like some of the the examples I, I have here in my notes, like in the beginning of the series when that gang kind of kidnaps Toa's family and, and holds them hostage, that was just ridiculous and and dumb and over the top for no good reason. Um, or how in the beginning of the show, Maroha knows about the Rainbow Corridor or whatever the fuck it's called and then never speaks of it again. And I'm like, how the fuck did she know about that? Like, wh- why aren't you going to tell me more about that? Um, or how convenient it was that um, Kagome's mom just simply looked at Maroha in her eyes and was able to, to know immediately that, that that was Kagome's daughter. I think it's so weird that the Higurashis were so certain that Maroha is Kagome's daughter, even though Maroha doesn't even know. And all they did was look at her. And then they didn't even tell her. I'm like, what, what are you doing here, people? Like, tell her who you are and tell her who her mom is. Why are you not telling her? And then I think in like... Episode 9? That's what I have written down here. At some point, they suddenly know that their mothers are human, they know that they're cousins, and Moroha knows that she's quarter-demon. And maybe I fucking missed something, but when did they realize all this stuff? When did they have those realizations and why are they so chill with it? So the the writing just kind of drops some shit on you and, um, I don't know, just doesn't really explain anything. And it's weird because, again, there's no source material. So it's not like, you know, they're trying to adapt a manga, but there's not enough budget and not enough time where they have to cut some stuff out of the manga. And then it makes the anime feel a little piecemeal. This is a completely original story and you have the time to kind of fully build it out and answer all the questions that people have because there's nowhere else to get those answers. And with that said, I felt like despite having those those gaps in, in that knowledge or storytelling, I felt like they spent a lot of time, especially in the first half of the season, with filler episodes. Like, man, just some of that shit was so unnecessary The one episode that really kind of sticks out in my mind as fucking filler was the Cat Village episode. Like, I get filler happens in anime, that's fine, but the show literally just started and already there's a shitload of filler. I'm like, when are we going to find out what's actually going on in the the big overarching story? It just felt like the episodes were filler, sprinkled with one or two teeny tiny hints at the girls, you know, characters and their backstories and what happened to the original characters. They were kind of spoon feeding us info and trying to drag out the plot. And that's very apparent in certain interactions, which is extremely frustrating when people, you know, meet up with the girls or reunite with them and Obviously, they they have information, but they don't say anything. Like, for example, when Moroku first met with Toa, I believe, he said something like, oh, you're Setsuna's sister? Oh, okay. And then just moved on. Like, he, he didn't say anything. I'm like, Moroku, you know who these girls are. Or Kohaku. Well, I, I'm assuming that Kohaku knows everything that he hasn't lost his memory. So it's like, why aren't you guys saying anything to the girls? It just was so incredibly frustrating every time that happened. I'm like, just tell them. Just tell them who they are. Like I, I know that kind of spoils the the anticipation of, of all of that, but they didn't even try to flush it out because, as I mentioned earlier, there was a, an episode that, that came about and suddenly they knew all this information and they didn't react to it. And the fillers kind of got to a point where it made me very excited, like overly excited when the main plot was actually progressed the few times that happened because, again, it was just so few and far between that we got like, really main plot-heavy episodes or moments in this show. I would say more of that happened probably in the second half of the season. Um, we did get kind of like a an amplified plot progression where there was still a bit of filler, but really they moved that main story along. But then we had, I wrote it down here, episode 19. I guess that was called, like, Princess Aya's Beniyasha hunting. Pure filler and waste of time. I'm like what the fuck is this episode like you guys kick things into high gear you're finally giving us the plot that we've been dying for for half a season and then it comes to a screeching halt with this stupid ass episode I'm sorry I just really did not like this episode along with that cat village episode the title of the episode again is princess Aya's Beniyasha Yasha hunting and Maroha didn't even become Beniyasha Yasha in this episode like what the fuck the preview for the next episode was way more exciting than this entire episode was. So just decisions like that don't make sense to me. Depending on how season two plays out, now that that's been confirmed, um, you know, depending on how many episodes it has or how it ends the story, I'm wondering if this whole show, this whole Yasha Hime story, could have been complete in 26 episodes if they removed the filler. I was actually expecting this the series to be just a single season with 26 episodes and yeah if if they conclude things by the end of season two I feel like they probably unless it's like a ton of plot progression in the second season I wouldn't be surprised that they could have just done everything in one set of 26 episodes another thing that kind of irked me about the show were the fights one of the best things about Inuyasha um, I think that the fandom really enjoyed were the fights they sometimes lasted several episodes in, you know, perfect DBZ style. Um, some of these fights were really intense, lasted a long time, and even had several parts to them if a, a certain enemy wasn't defeated the first or second time around. But here in Yashihime, honestly, all the fights were weak as fuck. They were pretty boring, kind of lame. They were overly convenient and had throwaway villains. I, I wrote down notes on pretty much every major fight and all of them kind of read the same another super easy short fight um, aren't these supposed to be the top fighters that Keaton you know that serve Keaton Um, you know it's a, it's a fight against one of the four perils and it took no effort and was over quickly and seeing how poorly executed these fights were or how poorly written they were um, that made it feel very apparent that they the writers or um, you know, they, whoever they are, they're writing on the Inuyasha nostalgia and the fan base to kind of make the show succeed. It's not like they're trying very hard with the action scenes and with the fights. And honestly, as annoying as it is, I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. I I can deal with that because I know at the end of the day, I'm here for the Inuyasha lore. I felt like this show, Yashihime, was very mild and much more subdued than Inuyasha ever was. Yashahime is not as dark and bloody and kind of out there as Inuyasha was. We literally see limbs get cut off and then there's no blood. I'm <laughs> like that. That that is, that's not a thing. That doesn't work like that. The jokes in Yashahime were far more mild, whereas in Inuyasha you had like nudity jokes with almost full titties and stuff at times and it just kind of makes me wonder who they're trying to write this show for. They had to have known that the majority of the audience for Yasha Hime would be Inuyasha fans and we grew up with that show which was far more mature. If you're going to go that route, why not make a totally new and separate story at that point? Like if you're going to follow Inuyasha, the people who are new to Yashahime and to Inuyasha overall will probably venture over to Inuyasha after watching Yashahime to understand the story better, and then are going to be like, "Holy shit! This this original show is way more dark, has way more blood and language and and partial nudity and everything." And I just feel like that consistency isn't there. Even the animation kind of feels less mature, comparing the original characters to um, in their animation style in Inuyasha to the new animation style in Yashahime, their eyes are bigger and their looks are softer in this new show. But yeah, so overall my my confusion really kind of stems from the fact that Inuyasha had this certain level of of storytelling and then they kind of like watered it down a bit for Yashahime and it just doesn't make any sense. Like I could see the opposite happening where the original show was a bit more um, a bit more mild, a bit more I don't even know like kid friendly is not the word, but you get what I mean. And then the the new show kind of taking things up a notch and, and being that more mature story. but here it seems they did the opposite and that just honestly does not make any sense to me. And I know that I'm going on a long gripe session here about the the writing and the storytelling and, and some of the decisions here. The last thing I'll, I'll gripe about <laughs> before I move to some more positive thoughts. Um, This is super minor, but it is something that showed up every single episode and kind of irked me by the end of things is why do we need recaps at the beginning of each episode before the opening comes on? But then uh, more annoying than that was the fact that we got names and titles of every fucking character on screen for every fucking episode. Like, Yashihime, you can stop now. We know who these people are at this point. We don't need to see every character's name and title on every single episode. Like, I don't know, maybe the writers were scared that we we're really forgetful as an audience, but it just was a little unnecessary. So now onto the things that I really did love, um... It's going to just be me being a fucking Inuyasha fan. All the callbacks to Inuyasha, both the obvious ones and the subtle ones, were fucking awesome, and I appreciated and noticed every single one of them. Um, some of the ones I wrote here that I wanted to call out were um, – and these might be out of order, but when Sota is looking at the pictures of Kagome and Inuyasha when he's chilling in her room and then Toa comes in and he like tells her a little bit about Kagome – that was fantastic. Like her room is untouched, which is kind of sad when you think about it, because we assume that Kogome was not able to go back to the modern era, um, to present day and, and see her family anymore, especially after she got sucked into um, Inuyasha's dad's grave by Soshomaru, and now she really can't go see anybody. But it's, you know, they, they care about her, they love her, and, and they miss her, so they, they kind of left her room as is. But those pictures were fantastic. I mean, I don't know, it just it was so endearing to see those cute pictures of Inuyasha and Kagome in, in the present era and just be reminded of what that story was all about. And then the very first demon encounter in Yashahime is very similar to the very first demon encounter in Inuyasha, um, where both had a centipede demon that went after the main girl. Um, I think when Kagome first makes it to the feudal era, she's attacked by that centipede demon who takes a huge fucking chunk out of her side and rips the shikon jewel out of her and there were other demons too and other minor characters in yashihime that were directly tied to or kind of resembled um others from inuyasha that i i definitely picked up on and i definitely was excited about i also love the dried kappa foot that kagome's grandpa gave to maroha because it's just like the one that he gave to kagome except this time it's really appreciated because Moroha is so excited to have it and even uses it as a weapon in the uh, the first encounter with, I don't know what the fuck it was called, but that tree demon um, that they were fighting in like the second or third episode, that was just fantastic because those little things are, are so nice. Plus you have the girls moves that are um, similar to their parents, mostly Moroha with Iron Reaver Soul Stealer and Blades of Blood that's just so fun to see them and the fact that they're animated in a very similar or sometimes even identical way to um the the moves that Inuyasha does, that's just fantastic. I did see on Twitter when Moroha first does um, those moves, someone did like a side-by-side comparison of Inuyasha doing the moves and then Moroha doing the moves and yeah, it's identical and it's absolutely fantastic. The last thing I'd like to talk about is the final episode of Yashahime, for the season anyway. I would say overall it's fulfilling in terms of like the pinnacle battle of the season with the girls versus Kirin Maru, but it was less satisfying in terms of um, giving us more plot progression or giving us answers. I was hoping for more, but again, they were just kind of spoon feeding us and focusing on the big battle. We have one scene in this final episode where we see Todosai and Jaken heading over to where the battle is happening, and my friend Kevin, shout out to Kevin, who's been on this Yashihime watching journey with me and loves Inuyasha as much as I do, he called out that, you know, most likely the sword that Sishomru gives Toa at the very end of the episode um, is Tensega or something like it because he says to her, try using this on Setsuna. And Setsuna's laying there fucking dead, so that's kind of the only logical conclusion. Um, but Kevin mentions that it's kind of whack if Todosai made his way over to the battle, repaired Tenseiga after Zero had broken it, and then it just works as well as it did before. And I agree with him. It kind of like diminishes the importance and the value of Tensega because it can just fucking break and then Todesai will make another one, no problem. There was something really special about the swords that Inuyasha and Seshomaru wield, especially because they're from their father and have very specific um, connections to those characters. But here it's like, I don't know, it just... The, the Tentega feels less special if, if this is the case. If Todosai just repaired it and then he's able to give it to Toa to use on Satsuna. So we'll see with the next season if that's the case. Um, although I'd be very surprised if that's not the case. The final fight was really good. Um, it was well animated and was super fun to watch and actually lasted more than five seconds where the bad guy just wasn't easily defeated with little to no effort from the girls. We actually saw a lot of struggle. I mean, Setsuna fucking died and we actually get some some blood and some wounds for, for the first time in a while in this show. Um, but Toa's demon form was super cool because she basically becomes Sushomaru, Um with his demon form as kind of like her spirit. And then Maroha, with her kind of upgraded Beniyasha form, has the spirit of their grandfather, which is super badass. And the girls kind of go back and forth for a minute on who gets to kill Kirin and they're like, fuck it, let's just both do it. And they put up a good fight, although I'm not convinced that Kirin Maru was, like, fighting at 100% of his abilities, because... He felt like he was a little more on the defensive versus the offensive. So I'm wondering if there's um, more to their uh, their development, uh, Toa and Moroha's development, and uh, more to kind of Kirin Maru and his abilities where we're going to get like a true final fight, hopefully with Setsuna fighting alongside them. I'm also very thankful and appreciative that we got a season two confirmation right away because there's a lot of stuff that is still unresolved and if we would have had to have waited to find out what the fuck happened to Inuyasha and Kagome, I would lose my mind. (laughs) So at least we know that there's more to the story and hopefully we'll finally see Inuyasha and Kagome because, man, they got sidelined in this season. They they were there for a couple of the flashbacks, and then Sashomro just fucking stashed them away in their father's grave, and then that's the last that we saw of them. I wouldn't say they got sidelined as hard as Sango did this season, but, yeah, they got sidelined. So there you have it. My thoughts on Yasha Hime, which was basically just a big-ass comparison to Inuyasha. But, really, I can't help it. Like, I... I started off with Inuyasha. It's the whole reason I'm even watching Yasha Hime. And I mean, if it's a continuation of the story, I think there's some validity to having a, a comparison. I know not everything's going to be one-to-one, but, you know, there's a lot that they're taking from that story. And I think it's okay to look at them side by side. But if you take Yasha Hime as a single story and kind of remove the Inuyasha um, connections or kind of remove them from the equation, I would say overall, Yashahime is a good show. It's not a great show for a lot of the reasons that I shared earlier. I feel like there's an opportunity here to really um, improve the the writing, um, to take advantage of the time that's available in this show, to focus more on the main story versus filler episodes. Like I know Inuyasha had a lot of filler, but again, like it had a lot of episodes. Here we're only 24 episodes in and then half of them were filler. So that that just that just is super annoying to me and I, I'm not down with that. And there's also big room for improvement with the animation quality. I just think that um, the opening and the ending should not be the peak of what the show can offer. It, it can certainly be up there. It can certainly be, you know, one of the best parts of the show. But if it's the best part, that's an issue. And I, I would love to be able to watch the show without feeling like my immersion is being broken because a character looks really fucked up in the face. But at the end of the day, I know I'm going to watch season two. Like, there's no way I'm not going to watch it. Even if, again, it's just to get a resolution on the Yashihime story and to have more screen time for the original characters from Inuyasha. I'm very much looking forward to that second season. I don't think there's been an announcement yet on when it will air. I mean, it just, yashahime season one just concluded yesterday as of the time that I'm recording this. So I can be patient. I can wait a little bit. Um, I imagine maybe sometime next year we'll get that, but I, I'll be there. I'll be watching it. I'll be looking forward to it. And you guys can look forward to my review on it as well. And finally, I imagine that a lot of you guys that are listening to this podcast episode um, have also watched Inuyasha and hopefully love Inuyasha as much as I do. And so I'm curious to know how other people in the fandom feel about Yashahime, if, you know, it's a really good story. Um, or if it's just not living up to um, to what you know Yasha originally was, feel free to reach out. Reach out to me slash us. Um, you can you can connect with me on our Instagram or our Twitter or through our website. I would very much love to hear how some of you guys feel about this because I imagine I'm not alone, but I, I feel like there probably is a mixed bag of of reviews or opinions on Yasha Hime because you know, it's it's kind of an interesting situation when you're comparing something that is kind of a standalone but isn't at the same time. And that wraps up episode 30 of Strictly Anime. If you enjoyed the podcast and would like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash thestrictlyseries and be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast streaming service so you can be notified when new episodes premiere every other Monday. Follow us on Instagram at The Strictly Series and on Twitter at Strictly Series and connect with us there or on our website, TheStrictlySeries.com, to share your thoughts on the anime we review. You'll also find more info on Strictly JoJo, our other podcast dedicated to JoJo's bizarre adventure. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb.